Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Over the past couple of years since my bipolar diagnosis, I've learned a lot about mental health and the various types of mental illnesses. Between personal research, my support groups, and my behavioral therapy courses, I'm learning something new every day. Devin Carson, vocalist for Airstream Futures, an emo punk band from Chicago, lives with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD, an ultra-serious form of PMS that affects approximately 5% of adult women. PMDD is linked to severe depression and anxiety, and usually peaks a week or two before a woman's period starts. In addition to the symptoms brought on by PMDD, Devin also has a separate history of depression. One of depression's scariest symptoms is suicidal ideation, something that Devin has struggled with as well. I've had suicidal ideation myself, and I know how terrifying it can be to have thoughts about killing yourself. I won't pretend to know how Devin's struggle has been throughout her life, and obviously I'll never understand what it's like to have PMDD but I do know it's inspiring how Devin has managed her mental health issues and is aware of her symptoms. She has been diligent in seeking out professional help, which is so important. Whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy, relying on a mental health team, or support from family and friends, reaching out is crucial on the road to managing a mental illness. So my name's Devin, and I'm in a band called Airstream Futures. I live in Chicago, Illinois, and I have dealt with mental health issues most of my adult life, from episodes of depression to PMDD. Uh, Premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, it basically where your monthly cycle, when you have hormonal changes, it affects your mental health. So midway through my cycle, I get like a really, really intense swing of depression that I have to manage. And I only in the last couple of years have been able to figure that out and then deal with it as when I can, you know, recognizing it and then being able to deal with it. So maybe a couple of the songs off the new album deal with suicidal ideation. Is that something that comes with the cycles? Yes, sometimes and sometimes not. But I've also had episodes of depression before just for either weeks or months at a time at various points in my life. And those are definitely the times that I felt suicidal and and had those reoccurring thoughts all the time. Monthly, it's gotten to a point where I sort of recognize that 
it's a temporary swing that's only going to last, you know, a day or two. So I'm able to push the darkest parts away for that time and just try to focus on something else. So it's not quite as intense as some of the other like depressive episodes I've had in my life that are due to other things. I know that suicidal ideation can be really scary. How do you cope with it? I am really lucky to have a really wonderful family and group of friends that I'm able to rely on and count on to give me good advice and kind of talk to me about uh, mental health issues and to encourage me to get help. So that I think it has been the biggest influence on how I how I'm able to react and to cope with thoughts of suicide and and depression and things like that when the world feels crashing down I you know feel like it's coming down I'm able to look to my family and friends to sort of guide me and they always remind me of the resources that are out there therapy and um, you know uh, just all sorts of things I can turn to when things look really bad when did this start for you? Is it a certain time in your life? I've gone through some swings of depression, depressive episodes throughout my adult life. I don't recall any from my teenage years except for just kind of normal teenage stuff. But once I hit my 20s, I started noticing really intense mood swings and things like that. But I didn't really do anything about it. I just thought it was normal or, or didn't recognize that there was something even wrong with it, that it was maybe just me. And then about, oh gosh, I don't even know, eight years ago or something, I had the biggest episode that I've ever had, the most intense after a a long-term breakup. And that was when it got to the point where I had to make a decision. I really felt this intense desire to end my life, to stop the pain, to stop that it wasn't really worth going on. So I was sort of sitting there and trying to make that decision or or thinking that I had a decision made. And then honestly, something just clicked like, okay, from things that I've read and people that I've spoken to and, and things like that, if I'm having those thoughts, if I'm having this thought right now, that means that there's something not right, that there's something out of balance. What I should do is to talk to a professional. That's even though I maybe not wanted to, or maybe I thought that at the time didn't have any hope that they could actually help me. I just knew practically that is what I'm supposed to do now. Because I'm having these thoughts, I must make this phone call. I must, I must seek help. And I did. And so I'm really glad that I did. I ended up seeing a therapist for a long time, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy to help me manage those cycles of thoughts and turn them around or put them on pause or redirect. It's been a hugely useful tool in my life to help get through those. Cause I've had ups and downs, you know, of course, since then, Um, as well. But each time, you know, I kind of, I have a toolkit now, I have a box of tricks I can, (laughs) I can pull out from my pockets and get through the worst of it. Some folks can't really gel with the CBT. It's hard to adapt all those practices. Why do you feel like you were able to make it stick? 
I did see my therapist for a long time at first for a year or so. And I think that helped. It was pretty consistent visits, putting things into practice and having someone to be accountable to. My therapist was very warm and friendly and knowledgeable and wonderful. And I was accountable to her because I had sessions every week or every other week. I had homework. I had things I had to fill out or she'd ask me if something happened, if I was able to apply some of the things that I learned. As an example, I've tried to play guitar for my whole life and I'm terrible at it, but it's because I don't practice every day and I didn't pick up the guitar every day and put it to practice for years, like people who are good at guitar do. And every time I get to the point where I feel like my fingers hurt and I can't do it and I've been playing for weeks or, and I'm not as good as I think I should be. And I, and I give up and then try to come back to it a couple months later or, or a year later. And all the same problems still exist because I'm not consistent about that practice. And I think it's the same with cognitive behavioral therapy. You really do have to put it into practice every day. And sometimes you fail. Sometimes you, you don't do the right thing or, and you don't recognize what's really going on. I've failed a million times and continue to do so. Um, But when it does help me, it helps. That's all I can really say about it. You mentioned playing guitar. Do you remember the first time that you heard punk rock? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It really took me until I was in high school to get into music. And then I had kind of an eclectic background. I, I, I listened to kind of everything and One thing that really got to me was ballads and the diva singers like Mariah Carey and and Whitney Houston. My mom got me into that. So I sort of developed a love for this like very emotional theatrical music. And then when I got to college, I really got into like emo and that kind of arena rock. You know, Green Day's uh, American Idiot came out and uh, My Comic Romance and The Used and these singers that were singing very passionately and, and emotionally but in this different style that I fell in love with. So yeah, I definitely, when I started picking up guitar was, was right about then. Does singing in the band feel like therapy? Absolutely. It is absolutely been very therapeutic for me. Um, whether it was when I lived in Los Angeles, I had a car and, and I would just blast music in my car and sing at the top of my lungs. That was absolutely therapeutic. And then being in bands has been very therapeutic. This is the first band I've really written lyrics and vocal melody for. A previous band that I was in, I helped on a few songs, but it was mostly the other person in the band that was the writer. So I think in Airstream Futures, a combination of being able to write and sing and play live is just a huge, extremely therapeutic for me. Have your mental health challenges held you back with the bands at all? I could say that, except that I know now that saying no to a few opportunities and not being as gung-ho or motivated to just keep plugging away and sacrificing everything. And as an artist, there's this pressure to just put everything of yourself into your art and that's the only way you can make it that's the only way you can end up doing it for a living or become a professional is to just give everything in your world and your life to to art and I 
have tried to do that before. And it's always ended very poorly for my mental health, not only the pressure, but also just not recognizing that I needed to take time to breathe and have a break, not getting enough sleep, not paying attention to my physical health. Diving into projects for me has a lot of times I just go overboard and I um, damage myself. I get to a point where I'm like, how did I get here? I have no money, no, you know, no security, no, no nothing. I'm exhausted. And how do I get out? I have to climb out of this, this hole again. <laughs> so in the last couple of years, I've tried to reverse that pattern and tried to recognize when I maybe need a break, recognize when I'm starting to not take care of myself, especially my mental health because I don't like going to that place. I don't like feeling helpless. I don't like feeling like I dug myself into a big, deep, dark hole that I now have to claw my way out of. What keeps you coming back to the music? Oh, I love it. But I never, I, I never actually imagined that I would be in a band. I'm actually a theater person. I went to school for theater. Being in a, in a band was just kind of something that was fun and, and I could sing and I've been in a cover band. And then with Airstream Futures, it was kind of a totally different thing. I I was really scared. I was terrified. And I hadn't really done a lot of writing. And I, I hadn't been really expected to write vocal melodies and stuff. But it was a good challenge. And it forced me to try something new. And I've totally fallen in love with it. And uh, being able to tour the world has been total blessing, has been just really wonderful. So those those moments of of clarity usually come, they usually come when we're playing live, to be honest. It doesn't really matter how many people are there, but if people are really listening and just being on stage with my friends playing our songs is a feeling that is wonderful. You look over at your friend or back at the drummer and it's just, you know, we're, you're do you're all together doing something that you all love and it's a kind of magic moment. So um, I live for those moments for sure. When you were diagnosed with PMDD, do you remember how you felt? I sort of self-diagnosed. And then I've had several doctors confirm that diagnosis. So I just, I should be clear about that because I only realized it because I decided to take notes about my patterns because I was noticing that I was having these swings of depression. They started coming like once a month in, you know, a very cyclical way. And so when I started doing research about that, PMDD popped up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm checking off all the boxes on the symptoms for this. It's, it's not just PMS. It's something that really, really affects your, uh, your mental health where it's an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness, helplessness, and just sadness and depression and once I sort of figured that out for myself and was able to manage coming at it, knowing that it might happen in the next couple of days or weeks, I can, I can really prepare myself for it. And the doctors that I've talked to all confirmed that that's probably what it is. And it's just a matter of how I want to manage it. I don't currently take any medication, although I have uh, considered it, SSRIs and things like that. Lexapro and, and things that doctors have recommended to me, as long as I'm keeping track of myself monthly and things like that, that I can really manage it pretty well without going on medication at the moment. <laughs> and that's just for the PMDD. That's not for like 
depressive episodes that last for longer. I know with my episodes, I have low and high with bipolar. And Mm -hmm. I know they're coming, but it's still really hard to deal with them when they actually present themselves. It it is, isn't it? Even if you know it's coming and even if, you know, one of the, the most helpful things that I've ever heard from a therapist ever is that thoughts aren't facts. And I know that helps a lot of people. And also feelings aren't facts. Thoughts aren't facts and feelings aren't facts. Because it really does feel like nothing is worth it. When your whole body is telling you that nothing is worth it, that you're a worthless person, it's really hard to, even if you know it's coming, it's still hard to go through it. Like I said, I'm really lucky. I have a very supportive group of family and friends. And also uh, my husband now is my number one mental health (laughs) advocate and helps me with everything. So I'm really grateful to him as well. When you're feeling low, how do you deal with band practices, live shows? That's tough because sometimes I don't deal with them very well. Like I said, over the last several years, I've had to say no to some pretty big opportunities artistically, not only with the band, but other opportunities as well. What often ends up happening is that I'll feel obligated to someone else to do something like especially being part of a band or a group or or anything like that and so that'll get me up to actually do the thing but then something else will inevitably fall out of the bottom which would be like like a day job I've lost a couple of day jobs over the last several years because I wasn't working hard enough I wasn't paying attention I wasn't just you know not not being able to manage a depressive episode in a way that that let me keep those jobs. <laughs> so, so it's hard. It's a hard thing because I ha- sometimes I don't manage it very well. You, you just have to kind of learn from your mistakes and try to do better next time. So for me, when I'm feeling in a good place, I'm trying to prepare myself for when I don't. In the course of my life, you know, I'm 35 right now. I'll be 36. And in the course of my life, I've had several depressive episodes. And so it feels like, one will probably inevitably come again. And if I can be as practiced and prepared as I can for that episode, it'll give me a better chance to deal with it in a way that won't blow my life up, where I won't you know, get fired from my job or lose my relationships or like, blow something up in my life. It just comes with being older, a little older and wiser and, and having blown up my life several times. <laughs> what does that so. look like, blowing up your life? I've lost relationships. Um, I've lost jobs. I've lost uh, or damaged um, like artistic relationships. It's just not dealing with my emotions well enough to manage all of these things. And so, um, yeah, I've blown up. I've blown up all of those things: jobs, friendships, artistic relationships. I've blown them all up before, <laughs> and I would like. I would like to not. To not do that again if I can help it and I mean I like I said I, I have a toolbox a bag of tricks and and they don't always work but um, at least I have them and and it's a it's, it's a constant struggle it'll be a constant struggle for my life but I at for the really for the first time I feel like I have a good handle on at least how to prepare myself and it sounds like you've learned a lot as well 
yeah, definitely. It's you, you know, <laughs> we learn by trying and failing, I guess. <laughs> make the wrong decisions so you can make the right ones the next time. And it sounds like music's brought you a lot of joy over the years. Oh my gosh. I, you know, there's a, I was talking about singing and being in the band being therapeutic, but really one of the things that I miss so much right now in this moment in the world of not having access to live music and not having access to live performances was really the feeling of being in a crowd of people and listening to music all at the same time. I love going in the pit at concerts. I love just standing there and having the vibrations and the loud music. It just fills your body and fills your your brain and you can just sing along and scream along and you're with all these other people and it and it's extraordinarily therapeutic and I I miss that a lot. I hope we're able to get back to a place where we can do live shows and and be able to have that same feeling and I want to go see my favorite bands and sing along and jump in a crowd and crowd surf and <laughs> Do you have any bands that inspired you as far as talking about mental health issues in their songs? Yeah, I mean, I think the emo phase that I went through, and I, I'm, what am I saying? Uh, that I went through, I st I'm still going through it. I still, <laughs> super emo. I love Alkaline Trio is probably one of my favorite bands of all time. My Chemical Romance definitely had a huge influence on me. And uh, Amanda Palmer, the Dresden Dolls, those were some artists that were their lyrics, especially about songs that dealt with mental health issues or you know, even if they didn't come right out and say it, that you just felt it, you just knew it in the lyrics just represent this deep, dark, emotional places that I could really identify with. And I could listen and not feel so alone. You know, that's why that music is so, so wonderful. And I'm so lucky to have it and so lucky to be influenced by it because it's there so that, you know, you're not alone. Because if someone else can feel it, if someone else can project that feeling, can make you just know that you're not the only one, you're not alone. It's so important. And it's part of why you're doing this, because you want to pass that on to other people? Yeah, absolutely. Not only, uh, it's hard to talk about mental health issues, especially now. I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, and I don't want anybody to take anything that I've said and apply it in a negative way. It's very, you know, instead of just talking to a friend about it or a family member, it's like putting your words out there in the public in the ether is like, is this going to come back to haunt me? Am I going to harm anybody by speaking of these things, by talking about it? it? It is hard. And in the band, when I write about stuff like that, there's a little bit of a musical distance because as an artist, I can do that. And then that's the song and that's out there, but it's not really a two-way conversation. But I do think that it is important. And if anybody can take anything good out of anything that is said or can feel like they're not alone in feeling that way, often that's helpful you know, enough. Writing is very cathartic and that you can write about feelings and then people who recognize what you're writing about and understand the feeling and feel connected. It sounds like you've done a lot of great work around the CBT and learning thoughts and actions and feelings. You're also really dealing well with learning about your PMDD and the depression. So what advice would you give to folks who are going through mental health challenges? 
it's always so hard to recognize that there's a problem that can be not, I won't say solved, but that you can do something about. The most important thing for me was just hearing over and over and seeing over and over in literature that I read and people that I spoke to that if you're having these thoughts, you need to see a licensed professional. You need to seek somebody out that is a professional in the mental health field. Even if you don't feel like it, even if everything in your body and your brain is telling you that it's not worth it, that nobody can help you, that you're not worthy, just do it anyway <laughs> against your own will, <laughs> against your own, you know, it's like brushing your teeth isn't really fun and you don't really want to do it, but you get up every day and you do it anyway, because you know that if you don't, you'll get a cavity or have to get a root canal or whatever. It's, it's obviously, you know, has higher stakes in the mental health arena than brushing your teeth, but it's that same kind of thing that you just need to do it anyway. That's the most important thing that I've learned, the most important thing that, that has helped me through those really hard times is to just do it anyway. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Screen Therapy. I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about myself. I was born in Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada. I spent more than 20 years in the media industry, managing newspapers and writing and editing for magazines and online publications. After my mental breakdown in 2018, I had to take a break because everything seemed impossible. I needed to focus on my recovery. I did my best to take care of my mental health while dealing with the intense mood episodes of bipolar. I was trying to help other people as well through support groups and also doing some health coaching. I'm doing everything I can, and I've been getting back to the kind of work that I love. This podcast has been a big part of that. After some serious soul-searching, I decided to go back to school at the age of 47. I'm doing a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction at the University of King's College that will allow me to work from home. In two years, I should have a book written. And surprise, it's also called Scream Therapy. And surprise again, it's about the link between punk rock and mental health. I'm excited about it, but I want to be sure that I pay close attention to my symptoms and stay as healthy as I can. One of the most important things about mental health is staying positive. I'm really glad that this podcast has been a big part of my recovery, and I thank you for listening. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com slash screamtherapy. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well. <laughs>